freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about... Just Mike. Gonna, Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Hello, good morning. It is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports application, plus all the podcast platforms. It's a formal Friday. It's going to be a nice warm one. Not in the studio, of course, like 12 degrees in here, but outside, everywhere else. Beautiful today, heading into a nice weekend, long weekend, 4th of July. I'm sure all the idiots will be out pretending they know what they're doing with fireworks. We'll tell with them later. It's too early to start talking about that. Well, but I'll, of fireworks, you have fireworks tonight. Huh? Oh yeah, fireworks at the game. See, that's yeah. the way, that's where you get your fireworks. Go to that's the game tonight. Do the Mariners fireworks show. I do it most years. It's awesome. They do a fantastic job with it. And professionals light off fireworks that are really cool. They're in the sky, just the way it's supposed to be. They're timed up. Yep. Are they in the sky? Yeah, right where they're supposed to be. Instead of in your hand <laughs> blowing in, up or in your yard, right? Of fire. Oh, exactly. They go up in the air. There's music accompanying them. Oh, I went to one of their fireworks shows. Professional show. Great. It's just how it should be, as yep. opposed to you know, <laughs> dumbest and thing in the world. Setting all the dogs in the neighborhood. Yeah, just the risk reward on home fireworks is a terrible bargain. They're not that fun, and they're very dangerous. Terrible bargain. So knock yourself out, yeah. people. Knock yourself out. All right. Uh, let's. I'll, I'll. I'll have more on that later. That's sort of an annual tradition of me making people mad by talking about how dumb fireworks are uh, at home. At home. I yes. love. I love fireworks shows. By the way, I really do. I think they're great. I like sort of the kitschy Americana July Fourth thing. So I kind of I like the whole fireworks show and and kind of what goes into that, especially if there's music accompanying. I think that's really cool. Um, Jock talked to Jerry DePoto yesterday. I suppose we should start there. What did you guys think of Jerry DePoto yesterday? What was sort of your big takeaway reaction in hearing Jerry? Uh, I have a couple, but I, I'm kind of curious either what people out there thought, and you can text 866-979-3776 or Justin Mora, what you guys kind of took away from Jerry, whether it was overall tone or anything specific that you heard him say. What, what was your biggest um, biggest thought moving after Jerry? I think it was that they're apparently not changing anything immediately, like in the off day, but that they're inching into that territory. Of, mm-hmm. Like if this keeps up, we know that some changes are going to have to be made. Whether yeah. he said, whether like he said, if if they're going to keep swinging at these pitches, we're going to have to find guys that can that can hit spin and or I, I don't know. Yeah, he kind of he kind of didn't say anything about service. He said that you know this is one of the harder sports for the manager to have that much of an impact on the game. But yeah, I think they are uh, realizing that this is about uh, as bad as that. That felt like a low. <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> and uh, I think they feel that way too. And, yeah. And that things were yeah. If this keeps up, things are. Yeah, I think the hope there up. being that this is rock bottom. Like that that now you sort of get better from there. We'll see. I mean, you got Tampa Bay coming in here for three. The Giants who've been playing some really good baseball, and then Houston who's been up and down but has had your number. You know, that's a that's a challenging time to feel like you've just hit rock bottom because, uh-oh, what if it turns out this chasm goes even deeper? Mine, mine was very similar to that more. I would say that I, I, I that dichotomy between on one hand saying this has to stop and we are putting some uh, some accountability in place by saying, like, if you don't swing at better pitches, we're going to find better players. 
the guys who need to help, the guys who need to turn this around are already on this roster. And if they're not, then we're going to find other people. I mean, there was a level of I'm just about done watching some of the stuff I'm watching. I think Jerry was making it pretty darn clear that there are two parties responsible for what's going on. One, himself, and by virtue of that, the baseball operations department for some of the decisions that were made. And two, the players themselves for drastically underperforming where they're supposed to be at this point. I didn't hear him blame the manager. Quite the opposite. I didn't hear him blame the coaching staff. Quite the opposite. I heard him say, these guys are underperforming expectation. They're going to get it eventually because they're good players, and some of that is just baseball, but there are a lot of guys underperforming at once, and that's just obviously not acceptable. Now, the thing a lot of people are going to maybe focus on was the question about the off day, right? And I was not surprised that this was the focus. Sometimes Mariners fans surprise me. Sometimes they don't. For instance, I was surprised that people were uh, were upset that there was a new perfect game king. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Our guy had the most recent perfect game. Okay. Like, yeah. that was fun six, six years ago. Mm. I, I, it did not dawn on me that that is something that is considered. That's, like, that's I assumed that would be one of the things that you thought of first. Oh, the last one to do it was Felix. Didn't have any idea who the last one to do it was. That is surprising to me. Never think about that. Why would I think about that? We've, we, well, because it's been brought up. Huh. Every yeah. time someone comes close, like it's like, oh, the last one to do it. Felix yeah. is still safe. Man, that was kind of the thing. Still safe. You hear that safe? all the time. Felix is the last one to do it. This is the silliest thing. The silliest thing I've ever this heard. Is what happens when the team doesn't bring you a championship for so long? <laughs> that is true. That's I just didn't. I, I, you're absolutely right, Mora. But I did not realize that was a thing. Like, do we do we count like the most recent walk off hit? No, as well, it's the same. Who as like, had the most recent walk off and oh, they're the king. Do do you think it, the seventy two dolphins matter? Yes, that does. Yes, okay, absolutely. I didn't realize we were putting perfect games into that in, uh, into that one category. Of those things that you hear often that I would not think. I have never once I've with never it, one time heard it. It would be in the front of your. Or if I've heard it, I've obviously game. ignored it because I thought it was so silly it wasn't worth focusing on. I was not surprised that people heard this from Jerry Depoto yesterday and weren't wild about it. No, you know, our action is to, to get together here in about an hour and, and start working through our national draft meetings. And, you know, it's a, we do have a lot to manage beyond just the major league club. And we're in the midst of that with the draft coming up on us and an important one for us with three picks in the first round and, and to continue building depth in our organization. And, and I think sometimes an off day is good just to let it be an off day. I think everybody needs a chance to just tap the brakes when you do things at the highest end of your emotion, they tend not to be very smart things. <laughs> so talking about, you know, amateur players and how we might improve the depth of our organization seems a pretty good respite. So I understand entirely why some people heard that and were very upset about it. They're mad. The team looks like, you know, complete garbage. And Jerry's focused on the draft. Jerry's focused on the, the the depth of the organization. Right, like how dare you think about the future when right now we're bad. And I totally understand why that is upsetting to hear. Unfortunately, it's the reality of life. There's no other option. He has to do that. He doesn't necessarily need to say that, right? I mean, this is one of the things you love about Jerry that I think will occasionally rub some people the wrong way dude comes on this show and does this interview every week when he doesn't have to 
Again, no contractual obligation for Jerry to come on and do this. I think he enjoys it. I think he likes the idea that there's some transparency in the organization. I think he likes talking about baseball, and I I think he enjoys it for the most part. And I think it would look bad if he stopped doing it now, right? Like, oh, you're going to do it when things are great, but not when things are bad. So I give him a lot of credit, honestly, for coming on and doing this when he doesn't need to. But I think people hear that and without fully understanding and recognizing the complexity of his job are upset that he is not focused on the thing that they are upset about. He is focused on it. He is working on it. I mean, those meetings still take place, as he said already earlier in the interview. And you'll hear the whole thing coming up here in about 20 minutes. But he has to still focus on the draft. They've got three of the top 30 picks in this draft. You don't want them to, you know, focus on that? I do. I still want them to take those meetings seriously. Well, and you said it has the kind of depth that you normally have to wait multiple drafts to get. This is a great draft, and they're incredibly well positioned in it. So, yes, Jerry needs to go deal with that stuff. And he's absolutely right about the 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 types of things that they need to do in their organization and that sometimes an off day needs to just be an off day. Just rest, but just get away from it for a day. Just hold on. Everybody take a deep breath. Because I think he's also right that when you make decisions when you're emotional, you tend to make bad decisions. And you right? asked him, the question was, is there going to be any action, right? And his answer was no. No. There's not going to be any action. He'd already said they're meeting. They're already having conversations. They're already dealing with the problems and trying to figure out the best way to do it. But if you were hoping that there was going to be a roster turnover or there was hoping to be a, you know, a, a managerial change or a hitting coach sacrificed or whatever, I think what he's saying is no. That's that's not what we're going to do the day we're mad. We're going to wait. We're going to think about it. And we're going to make decisions in a rational manner. And I respect that. I, that's the way you're supposed to do it, even if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Salk has never sounded so tone deaf about a situation as he does about the perfect game. All right. Okay. It's just one I'll thing, take it. It's just one thing. We had the most recent uh, trophy to celebrate, and now we don't. Well, if we had the we had. only perfect game, I would totally get it. Like, the 72 Dolphins are the only undefeated team. I understand. And I'm not trying to say those are the same thing, so I apologize for bringing that up in the really same weird. way. But it's something that we had most recently in a team that was really bad. Who was, was the most recent no-hitter before that? No-hitter? Yeah. The perfect game was just before Who that. Who had the was most it? recent no-hitter? No-hitter or perfect game? No-hitter. I don't know. Me neither. <laughs> no hitters and perfect games are not the same thing. I know that, but like they're in the same category. I mean, no. Like there's been 24 of these done in the history of the game. They're in the I mean, same category. One's better than the time. other. Yeah. Like, as being a pitcher stat, they're in the same category. Who had the most recent cycle? Who had the most recent four home most run game? Cycle is Ella did that. I knew. Cruz. Who had it before him? Perfect game are not the same thing. I know. I none of the, none of them are the same thing. But like. I just don't think about who had the most recent as being a thing. I think All it right. also is different because a lot of fans who listen, maybe listen to the show, including myself, were there for that. So it, it's certainly deep. I absolutely agree that a lot of people say they were there for that. I was there for that. Whether I or not all of those people were that. actually there. I got my ticket no. signed by Felix. I don't know about all that. We'll be right back with <laughs> things you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports at 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Oh, big old few. A much needed day off for both the Mariners and their 
tortured fan base. We all needed it, or at least I can speak for myself. I needed it. I needed a day away from watching this team, thinking about this team, etc. We did speak to Jerry Depoto, and he did offer some positivity for the future. You know, the way we'll get out of it, I still believe that there's a lot of season left, and our best chance for resolving our struggle is for good players to start doing the things that they've done. And they've, and they've done for us in the past. Now, some of the players that we have, we're built on a roster that is largely 20-somethings. And, you know, we shouldn't be struggling to, to, to survive the way we are with the talent that we have. And, unfortunately, that's the position we put ourselves in. Yeah, I would say that's true. Uh, you want to impress people, though? You want to do it in a hurry? Do some damage between now and the All-Star break against three very good teams. It starts with Tampa this weekend. The Rays going to start Shane McClanahan tonight. He's 11-1 and this year with a 2.2 ERA. So, yeah, he's uh, pretty good. Bryce Miller will be on the hill for the Mariners. And, yeah, I don't think there's going to be a major shakeup. Maybe the lineup turns around a little bit and you see some guys in different spots. But they're not going to do something desperate. They're not going to make a major change. They just need to play better. And that starts with the decisions on what pitch you swing at. Yeah, we actually lead the league in hitting balls within five feet of the wall without being a home run. <laughs> it's a, we find ways to create frustration, and that really boiled to the top on Tuesday evening. You know, with that bases loaded situation, you flatten out, you get a little wider in the box, you find a way to put the bat on the ball and get something you can lift not go up there and rush through at that swinging at the first thing you see it's it's been problematic for us throughout the year there's a reason why we've struggled the way we have with runners in scoring position especially you know in this last series here with the nationals it's about the pitches we swing at and until our players start swinging at better pitches we're going to continue to struggle i think that last line's an important one and They've got to take that onto themselves, as my wife once said. Take the bull by the hands and just get it done. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, by all accounts, the Kraken absolutely crushed the draft. Did a lot of reading about it yesterday. The grades I saw, multiple A's. I didn't see anything lower than a B plus. Especially impressive for where they were picking, not at the top of a, a pretty stacked draft. Sounds like their first four picks should give them a potential top six score. Two two-way players who could be top nine kind of guys. And then a legitimate offensive defenseman who might give up a couple of goals, but will move the puck, score with the best of them. So a very intriguing addition of talent. How do they fit the system? Well, Dave Haxtell explain just what that is. The thing we do is, is about being quick, about being fast, about using the depth of our roster. And in a nutshell, without getting, I guess, too detailed on it, every piece of our system and every, you know, our, every all the parts of our game and the way we play are based on doing things with pressure and doing things quickly. And our, our guys really enjoyed playing within that system. They First of all, you know, they did a great job buying in and understanding the, you know, the basic concepts and they were really committed to doing it. Doing things with pressure and doing things quickly. Sound like they got more guys who will be able to do it. Speaking of quickly, free agency starts tomorrow. We'll wait to see how this team will approach a trade market as well as they try to take that next step and improve upon the heck of a season that they just had. Here's the third thing you need to know. Yeah, I've heard a lot of focus on the manager in the last few days for the Mariners. It makes sense. Everything and everybody comes under fire when things aren't going well. But I was also pleasantly surprised to see the results of Stacey's poll yesterday. Showed only about 15% of folks actually think that the manager is the primary problem. For the record, uh, neither does Jerry DePoto. You know, I, I think it's 
keeping morale at a, at a level that's manageable. It's, a, it's such a roller coaster season. We have, you know, in years past, in good seasons and in bad, we've been on our roller coaster. And the manager's job is to try to keep the roller coaster, you know, avoid the peaks and valleys as much as you can. And, and right now, there's no question we're in a valley. And, and that puts a lot of pressure on Scott. But he's not looking to make a change because keeping that even keel is kind of what you do. Uh, Scott, by the way, named to the coaching staff yesterday for the 2023 American League All-Star Squad. So he will be out there on uh, Wednesday. Mariners also announced a ton of other great events for All-Star Week. Uh, Tuesday. Did I say Wednesday? It's Tuesday, right? Tuesday night's the actual All-Star game. Sorry about that. Uh, MLB.com has all these details, but there's an All-Star drone show at the Space Needle. Those drone shows are awesome. I did one at T-Mobile last year. There's All-Star movie nights at Seattle Center. They're all free. So, again, head over to MLB.com. You can see all those details. That is everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour. All right. People didn't like the comp the comp of uh, a perfect game and a no hitter. Fine. I wasn't trying to say they're the same thing. Just that I don't. There are things that I don't think about who did it last. Mm-hmm. They're great achievements, but it's never dawned on me that there's like a reigning king of that. Well, and then to be fair, when Felix has happened, there were two that year already. Right. So it was, it was similar at that moment of like, oh, wow. I, I, yeah, it I just happened more often than I thought. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> to me, it's just more about like. I honor the achievement. It's an incredible moment what Felix did. And I was there the next game for the superior court or whatever they called that thing. That was awesome. Like, it was really fun. Supreme Court. Supreme Court. Yes. Even better than the superior. Yes, it is. Uh, That was great. Like, the, the honor was amazing. It's just not something I've ever thought of as like. Whoever did it last is on top, and then the next person dethrones them. Well, again, to my point, like there were, they hadn't lasted a long time before that. There had only been one. Right. There had been two earlier that season. There had been a couple of a couple seasons before that, and then there was just this ten year break. Yeah, so it just got bigger and cooler. Did it? I did. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Uh, coming up next, uh, Jerry DePoto, again, gracious enough to come on and answer questions. I don't know whether, you know, all of the answers are things that people want to hear, but he deals with the reality of the Mariners situation and where they can go from here. You'll hear it next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710 salesports.com. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Good morning, Jerry. Uh, it's Thursday, which means yesterday was Wednesday, which means, unfortunately, the Mariners lost. It's amazing how many times this has happened uh, over the course of the season. But how are we doing today? Uh, you know, I'm, it's a, it's it's another Thursday, another <laughs> you know general morning of frustration. I, I don't know a better way to put it, and that goes for our entire organization. And, you know, it starts with me, and it runs through every player on the field. They're feeling it. We all are. And would like to get out from underneath it. Well, you know, we saw these two losses uh, in a row Tuesday night and then yesterday afternoon. One was of the, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't win that game variety. The other was of the they just didn't hit from day one you know, from the start of the game variety. I don't want to say which one drives you most crazy because I'm sure both of them drive you crazy in unique ways. But how do you put those two types of losses into context? You know, I think one is a hangover from the other, frankly. And, you know, on, on Tuesday night, we, we gave away a win. It was right there for us. There's no, you know, sugarcoating it. We have given that game away before uh, this season, uh, never quite so frustratingly as we did on Tuesday. But, you know, it was, uh, that was about as bad as it gets in terms of 
lack of execution. And, you know, you roll in, and as the schedule makers would have it, you've got a day game. And, you know, for a lot of guys, they're still feeling the tension, the disappointment, the frustration from the night before. And I think it showed up in the batter's box. Does a Thursday off day like today, Jerry, kind of give you guys an opportunity to maybe get together in a way, you know, as a as an organization and just kind of talk through? And as Salk said, this is not a system system wide. This is just one very acute issue. The offensive production has been the biggest struggle of the season. Does an off day give you guys an opportunity to to sit with Scott and to sit with everybody together? Maybe we didn't need an off day to do that. We do it regularly and. You know, that's a, that is sometimes daily, like I said before, uh, oftentimes biweekly with our offensive check-ins. And, you know, we, we make regular use of the calendar in our favor to sit down and meet and talk about, you know, strategies, rosters, ways we might be able to, to get this game going or this team going. And, and, uh, you know, we've, we've not hit on it. That's, I, I wish I had a better answer than, you know, we're, we're, we're not, doing the things that winning teams do and you know that that doesn't just go for the lack of hitting it's it's situational execution it's it's coming up with a simple ground ball or a fly ball when you need it it's it's what the nationals did on tuesday you know they they found a way to to generate a run and win a game and then we have failed to do that over and over so what now? I mean, it, it is an off day today. I, I understand that you guys meet more often than just on off days, but sometimes that's when we tend to see action occur in a baseball team. Should we expect action today? No. You know, our action is to, to get together here in about an hour and, and start working through our national draft meetings. And, you know, it's a, we do have a lot to manage beyond just the major league club, and we're in the midst of that with the draft coming up on us and an important one for us with – three picks in the first round and, and to continue building depth in our organization. And, and I think sometimes an off day is good just to let it be an off day. I think everybody needs a chance to just tap the brakes. When you do things at the highest end of your emotion, they tend not to be very smart things. <laughs> so talking about you know amateur players and how we might improve the depth of our organization seems a pretty good respite. Hey, so we were having this conversation earlier and we took some calls, et cetera, and I think it's a good thing to ask you. What is the expectation of a modern manager when the team is losing or slumping or not playing its best? What is the expectation of a manager in this day and age, 2023? You know, I, I think it's keeping morale at a, at a level that's manageable. It's a, it's such a roller coaster season. We have, you know, in years past in good seasons and in bad, we've been on our roller coaster and the manager's job is to try to keep the roller coaster, you know, avoid the peaks and valleys as much as you can. And, and right now there's no question we're in a valley. And, and that puts a lot of pressure on Scott, on our staff to try to keep morale a little bit higher uh, to keep focus where it needs to be. And I guess if I had one thing to point to, it's continue to play fundamentally sound baseball. And that's where we're falling short. And I don't think you can magically coach it. There is no secret play. You know, as Scott referenced yesterday, there is no offensive timeout to huddle the group and say, here's what we need to do. It's such a unique game and that it's about, it's about 26 players executing individually for a team outcome or result. And I don't know that a manager in baseball has the same ability to impact the outcome as it does really in any of the other major sports.
because there is no secret play. It's just about putting a bat on a ball. So when we get, you know, people who call in or or email, text, whatever the, you know, way of getting in touch is and say they want to see more fire, they want to see more anger, they want to see more of that from the leaders on down, is that still a way to exist in modern baseball? Is that something you are looking for? Yeah, I don't really know what that does. We've talked about that before. You know, I've I've been on teams where managers come in the room and, and yell frequently. There's we're in a generation of player, at, uh, at least through our experiences and in, in baseball, we're in a generation of player who will just tune you out. It's a you know you have a couple of of cracks at, at something like lighting up the clubhouse, and you know you, you have to choose your spots. You can't you can't manage like that every day over a 162 game baseball season. You can't react that emotionally. The best players you've ever seen, they manage it calmly. You know, we, we've we've preached calm. You know, we preach calm in the way we try to execute in a bat. We preach focus and hard work, and and you have to model that behavior even when it's going bad. And right now, it's going bad. You can't just you can't flip your script and, and turn into someone you're not. Uh, Jerry DePoto here with us. Jerry, can I throw three, and maybe they sound like excuses or explanations, but three things your way offensively, and, and obviously your depth and intel is going to be far superior to to even any of the diehard fans listening with these three areas. Um, exit velo. Do you feel like guys at times are chasing that exit velo? I, I think exit velo is is closely linked to offensive success. I I don't know that you can hit without wanting to hit the ball hard. Yeah, there are not too many major league hitters, and I don't care what your era, even before you knew about exit velocity as a as a trackable statistic, before satellites were were you know monitoring such things. You went up to the batter's box, and the goal was to hit the ball hard, and that's still the goal today. You talked about taking a breather or timeout. We talked about this earlier in the week, and this pitch clock does not allow for timeouts. It does not allow to step out of the box at times other than your one timeout per at-bat. Is uh, maybe some of the younger guys or maybe even the veterans dealing with this for the first time, is this pitch clock speeding the game up offensively? Uh, I think it's it's speeding the game up in general. You know, it's speeding the game up offensively. I don't know if that's a problem for us. Frankly, we've done you know, a better job than most. One of the more positive outcomes for us this season is how well we have managed the the, the pitch clock, the timer, and you know, it's a that's generally been to our advantage. We tend to disrupt the other team a lot more than it disrupts us. Right now, it's just plain and simple. The game is moving fast for a lot of players on our field. And it's not because of a clock. It's because of the, the, the pressures, the, the the stresses they're creating for themselves through performance. There's a, Again, there's really no way of been slicing that. And then performance, hitting spin uh, from an average standpoint, a number standpoint has been, I know you talked about the power outage a couple of weeks ago, but just hitting the amount of spin that you guys are seeing seems to be a, a tremendous challenge. What is the ant, uh, antidote to that? Get better at it. Uh, you know, and, and if we don't get better at it, find players that can do it. It's, it's that simple. Keep practicing it. It's hitting breaking balls. And, and again, this goes back to the time of, you know, Christy Matthewson. <laughs> hitting breaking balls is not easy. And, you know, there are numerous teams and, and players in our league can handle the ones that hang in the middle of the plate. Nobody hits the good ones very well. And right now we're not hitting either of them. And, and I don't think it's, it's limited to just spin. You know, we're, we're, so focused on the spin that we're allowing ourselves to slump versus fastballs very often. And, you know, that's not helpful either. 
that sometimes the best way out of the, the, the hole is to focus on the thing you do best. And, you know, what we have done best and when we have been good, we eliminate pitches. We eliminate pitches. We focus on the middle of the plate. We don't chase. These are all things that have been staples of our offense for a number of years. And right now we're doing all of those things. We are chasing. We are not focusing on the middle of the plate. We are struggling with the breaking ball that is there to hit. And, you know, it's the only thing you can control, as I've said, week after week, is the pitch you swing at. And I think Tuesday night's game is very indicative of what happens when you swing at the wrong pitches. Yeah, so actually I was just about to take you back to Tuesday night for a moment. Not that, you know, anybody wants to journey back there. But when you said that the execution in the 10th, you know, was as problematic as it was. I assume you were referring to the 10th and that opportunity that, that was presented there in that inning. What are you looking for? How how, do, how does, I don't, I know you probably don't want to call out individual players, but how was the approach there different from what you want it to be? What what was specifically going wrong there? I won't even limit it to, to just the 10th inning, you know, bases loaded and nobody out. It's about contact. It's about finding a way to get something you can elevate, hit something into the outfield grass. It's a, it's a, it's situational baseball, but it runs so much deeper than that, you know, for our team and our struggles and, and especially of late. And we have the frustration that you see boiling up with our team. It, it comes from losing games in the way we're losing. You know, you can't as a bullpen and we have a very good bullpen. You can't as a bullpen come in and walk five guys in five innings. That's just, you're giving the other team opportunity you're you're costing yourselves depth the next day which reared its head yesterday when we didn't have the bullpen to tap into you know it's little things that that stack up on one another and when you look up and and here in the third week of june we lead the league in one run losses we lead the league in extra inning games we 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 actually lead the league and hitting balls within five feet of the wall without being home run (laughs) it's a we find ways to create frustration and that really boiled to the top on Tuesday evening. You know, with that bases loaded situation, you flatten out, you get a little wider in the box, you find a way to put the bat on the ball and get something you can lift, not go up there and rush through at bats, swinging at the first thing you see. And it's, uh, it's, it's been problematic for us throughout the year. There's a reason why we've struggled the way we have with runners in scoring position, especially, you know, in this last series here with the Nationals. It's about the pitches we swing at. And until our players start swinging at better pitches, we're going to continue to struggle. Jerry, from a, from a team building standpoint and kind of going back to the, to the off season, how do you account in your job for regression? It's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. And, you know, it's a, it's, we sit here and we talk about draft picks right now where we're situating ourselves for the, the, the draft here at the all-star break none of them uh, or few of them are going to turn out to be exactly what you think. It's the same way when you're building a team, you're, you're reliant on players, track records, you're reliant on, on what their, you know, what their skill sets suggest they will do based on, you know, age and, and I guess closest proximity, you know, more recent performance. So we're not counting on AJ Pollock to do the things he was doing in 2015, we're counting on AJ Pollock to do something similar to what he was doing a year ago. And, or, you know, in September of a year ago, there's, you, you try to, to thin it down or, or whittle it down to a skill set. What does this player do well? And then you build a puzzle, you know, and, and we're trying to build a puzzle that allows us to succeed up and down the lineup. There's rights and verse laps. 
defensively on the bases. And, you know, we are a team that is, that is built on role players. We have, you know, a great need for players to, to play the role that they play. And, and right now we have many who just haven't. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not single players. It is, as I've said, and I think I said it last week, it is a collective struggle. And, you know, the, the way we'll get out of it, I still believe that there's a lot of season left and our best chance for resolving our struggle is for good players to start doing the things that they've done. And they've, and they've done for us in the past. Now, some of the players that we have, we're built on a roster that is largely 20-somethings. And, you know, we shouldn't be struggling to, to, to survive the way we are with the talent that we have. And, unfortunately, that's the position we've put ourselves in. We knew this league would look and feel differently this season with the rule changes, with the pitch clock, with the with the shift ban and, and the other movements. Jerry, how do you account for the number of arm injuries in this league this season? Is is one that's got a son that loves to pitch, <laughs> who had little league shoulder this year to deal with uh, at thirteen, and to watch the just the amount of injuries uh, across the league, and certainly what has hit your ball club as well. How do you account for all of the arm injuries right now? Uh, you know, I wish I had a good answer for you. I'm not a doctor, but you know, I, I do know that when you throw as hard as these players throw today, it's you know we're in we're in a new world. We don't really know, you know, what it's like for a pitcher to go out, you know, inning after inning, year after year, with this kind of velocity. I, I don't really know another way to, to. There's never been an era like this in baseball and. You know, I don't think it has anything to do with pitch timers. I don't think it has anything to do with, with training styles. I think the, the evolution of the pitcher and how, how hard a pitcher throws today, we just don't know, you know, how sustainable that is over time because we've never seen, we can't look back on long careers, uh, you know, with the exception of maybe Nolan Ryan and Randy Johnson <laughs> and, and say, what does it look like? Uh, when pitchers throw that hard for that long. And, and that's the only thing I can look at. And, and truly, we won't know for generations whether that was the effect or not. And, and it's not even in the major league level. I mean, you're talking, Jerry, about scouting. I mean, you're looking at these college kids right now, high school kids, right? I mean, <laughs> high school kids throwing 97 miles an hour, let alone these college kids, kid out of LSU that's throwing 102 on his 120th pitch. How hard did you throw, Jerry, when you played? Uh, you know, 93, 95. Okay. And, and at the time that was a, a pretty good fastball, <laughs> but the, the, you know, the, the way fastballs have evolved, you know, when I, when I broke into the big leagues an average fastball was 90 miles an hour. And today an average fastball is 94 plus miles an hour. It's, it's a, uh, it's come to, and four miles an hour. And, and that, that you go back to, to, to the 1990s, you go back to the 1960s, you go back to the 1950s. It's, it's going to be within about a mile an hour on average or something like that. And you know, here we've taken a tremendous jump and, and it's, it's made offense uh, a little harder to play. It's, it's made pitching injuries, you know, at least a little bit more frequent. I don't want to say they're they're you know, it's that it's wildly different than in years past. We just may know a little bit more mm. about the injury or how to treat it than, than they may have known in, in generations past. One of the reasons I asked is I was curious. Let's say you threw 94 on average. If somebody had said to you at the time, hey, Jerry, throw as hard, you know, max out. Show me one pitch that you throw as hard as you can. How hard do you think you could have thrown for one pitch? Uh, well, I know that, that, that in my prime, I could hit a 96 or a 97 on a given day, you know. 
I don't know if I could have sustained that. I don't, and frankly, I don't know if I could have done that if pitching in a climate that was different than Colorado, where right. the air was a little bit lighter. <laughs> you know, it's, for all I know, it was actually in 93. It, it, you know, it, but it, it's, I don't know how hard it is to sustain that physically, except to watch how hard our pitchers work at, you know, at a different type of, of, preparedness you know there's we used to go long and strong you know as a as an industry you know run run long miles poles you know sweat it out beat out the lactic acid that was your preparation now we train and and strength burst sprints you know it's it's more we are built to go faster for a shorter period of time and and that's what you know that's what baseball is now at every level you know that's the way they're training in college that's the way they train in high school that's the way they trade in independent facilities. And, uh, you know, I think the game has evolved. I don't think you're putting that genie back in the bottle because for most of the guys, it's fun to throw hard. <laughs> and, you know, for most of the hitters, I'm sure they wish that there were a lot more fastballs like mine instead of, you know, guys like George Kirby. Jerry, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the draft, and it's coming up rapidly here. You guys have three picks in the top thirty. I mean, what a what a fantastic situation to be in. What does this draft look like? What are you guys working on? Uh, this is the deepest draft that I've ever seen, and it's uh, I've, I've been doing this a fair bit of time now, and, and the the top of this class has four or five players that have a chance to be you know, iconic for for whoever gets a chance to, to put them in their uniform, uh, you know, per Brock, you know, as long as they stay healthy. There, there's top end in this draft. There, there are stars throughout the first round. Even you know, you're going to get the opportunity in this draft to take everyday players beyond the first round, which is a very unusual thing in a baseball draft. And, you know, this, this is, there's depth, particularly among position players. This is a position player rich draft that, and, and it's high school, it's college, uh, as good as I've ever seen. I, I, I couldn't be more excited about having the, the picks stacked up the way we do. I think we're, we're going to do some real damage on draft day and put talent into our system that, uh, that would, truly would take us multiple drafts to accrue uh, and, and to have that opportunity with what I think is already a good minor league system with high-end prospects and, and to further fortify it, put guys in there to make impact is, is exciting for us. Uh, my last thing for you is to, to go back to the health and the arm. We got the update uh, from Justin earlier in the week that Marco is now dealing maybe with a little bit of nerve issue as well. Is there any kind of further update or timetable at all with Marco? None. You know, it's uh, again, we're just going to take it day by day. Uh, right now, uh, it's despite our struggles, starting pitching remains one of our strengths. We're thrilled with the productivity that we've gotten out of out of our, our starting rotation and, and particularly the way our young guys have performed, you know, when when thrown into the fire with very limited experience, even in professional baseball. But uh, nothing on Marco, no real idea when he'll be back out there. And, you know, my stock answer will be when he feels good enough to be back out there. Well, Jerry, we appreciate it. I'm sorry the Wednesday uh, streak continues, but uh, eventually. Four and nine. We're going to turn it around. Yes. Four and nine on Wednesdays. It's going to turn around. Exactly. It has to turn around. We appreciate you coming and uh, answering the questions, and uh, we will do it again. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. All right, guys. All right, there you go. There is uh, Mariners president of baseball operations, Jerry DePoto, uh, and he joins us every Thursday at 830. And again, I- I'm glad he continues to do this. I mean, it, he he doesn't need to. He's not under an obligation to do it. There's no, there's no, you know, contractual need for him to come on. 
But he's accountable, and I appreciate that about him, and he's holding himself accountable for some of the issues, and for good reason. You know, I've seen people say, and, and, and I get this uh, conversation as well, why is anybody talking about Jerry? He's not the GM anymore. He's the president. That's Justin Hollander who's the GM. Yeah, I, I think those terms, while important and relevant, maybe get mixed up a little bit, and just to sort of help clarify what that means, they work together on player personnel. They work together to build the roster all the way from low A all the way up to the big leagues, etc. Being a, a general manager or a president also involves a lot of just actual management, right? In addition to all of the stuff you're doing and the, the fun stuff, Right, picking the players, making the trades, calling other GMs. You also have to manage a gigantic staff of hundreds of people in the baseball operations department of a baseball team. So that's one of the reasons that job has been split into two in a lot of organizations, so that you know nobody would have enough time to get anything done. Jerry manages up and out. Justin manages down. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So Justin is managing a lot of the, you know, people below them in that in that uh scheme, and my understanding is that Jerry manages more up, right? Dealing with ownership, dealing with uh, you know, dealing with Katie Griggs who's who's next to him in their pecking order, etc. and and he's more of the public face because he's that's sort of one of the things he's good at. So I, I don't know exactly how all of that works, and I'm sure they both have a lot of responsibilities in terms of choosing players, calling other GMs. They've told us that before, right? They'll say, you know, they kind of split up at the winter meetings, and they each have a list of 15 teams that they're talking to. So a lot of it is just done by relationship or who's dealing with which agent or whatever the case may be. But on any major decision, they're working together, right? They're, they're, they're any any major decision on personnel, if they're trading for Ty France or they're trading for Colton Wong this offseason, that's a conversation they would both be in on. So I think that's why ultimately they're they're sort of together in that conversation. All right. Anyway, it's All-Star Week, man, next week or the week after, rather, and we're going to be your home for the Mariners and for All-Star Week. Stop by our live broadcast from the Hatback Bar and Grill, and then Monday you can hear Julio in the Home Run Derby. Tuesday evening will be the All-Star Game, Seattle Sports, the exclusive home of All-Star Week here in Seattle. All right, uh, I've got a chart, and I plan to turn it into magical radio with Brock next.